Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. And if you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 13 today in a message called Remembering Your Before and After. And while you're settling in and turning uh, there as a way of introduction, I just want to say my name is Nate, and I get to serve here as the lead pastor of Awaken. And how I get to serve is by bringing God's Word to you. And uh, we've got a wonderful set of pastors here, but my job is to bring God's Word, so that's what I'm going to do today. And uh, I just want to welcome anybody joining us online today. Uh, We're so excited. Wherever you're watching from, we're excited that you've chosen to spend your week with us and start your week with us as we engage with God and in our masked only venue. We're so glad that you're taking advantage of that as well. And uh, I want to say that today is the last day for group signups before they start. Of course, we'll have group signups, we'll have open groups, but if you don't want to be tardy to the party, then make sure you sign up right now. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's really rough to show up late to a party because then you're like, oh man, what's going on? And so you feel a little out of the loop. So don't be out of the loop. Sign up for Awaken Groups. In fact, I was thinking about it this week and I thought Awaken Groups is kind of like driving here in the South. And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but there have been times in my life where I come to a red light and I've been in traffic and the car that's supposed to go when the light turns green, they don't move at all. And so what ends up happening is you're like, oh, okay, so we're just going to sit here. That's cool. Like, I guess I could sit through another cycle of the light because most people don't honk their horn. And if they do, you kind of go, you're out of control. You might even pray for them a little bit. You're like, well, hold on, speedy. Like, what's the problem? You know, I'm, I'm from New Mexico. And let me just tell you that if you are not revving your engine and going, like the minute the light turns green, they're on the horn letting you know that you better go. In fact, I was even thinking of New York City, and I was thinking, I think their first language is horn honking. Like, I don't think they speak any other kind of language there. And so here's what I'm saying. You're at a stoplight. The light is green. The Lord's telling you, get involved in a group. Stop praying about it. Stop fasting about it. And I'm here to tell you, beep, beep, get into a group. Move yourself into a group. This isn't something that we're just saying, oh, this would be so great. Listen, over 100 people are already in groups. We have 14 groups that are open and available. Um, we have uh, sermon-based groups. So if you want to go deeper into the message, you can do that. We have a Bible teaching group. If you want to learn how to study the Bible and enjoy it and learn how to do that, we have a group for that. If you are terrible with your finances, we have a group called Financial Peace. I don't know how many would like to say a good amen right there, but you can have financial peace. And we have a group designed for you to help you with your finances. And it meets here at the church. There's a lot of opportunities and a lot of groups for you to get involved in. And this is something that we want for you because we know the value that groups has. We know what it can do in our lives. And so beep, beep, get in a group, all right? So uh, we are continuing in our series here today, um, Finding Your Identity in Christ. And I'm loving this series and, and I'm gaining a lot and learning a lot in it. And what I love is that the first, the book was really divided perfectly in half. The first three chapters are all theology, who God is. And so as we've been going over this, you might hear reoccurring themes or reoccurring thoughts. But what Paul is trying to teach us is who God is and who we are in him. In fact, I think it's about up to this point, 13 times we've seen in Christ, with Christ, Jesus. And here's what he's doing. When we know who we are, we'll know what to do. 
Because then the second half of the book is how we practically live this out. Once we know who we are in Christ, we will know what to do. And so today, it's all about remembering your before and after picture of yourself. I don't know about you, but I like to look at before and after pictures a lot. It's one of my favorite things to do. I like to look at what buildings used to look like or even homes like, you know, those renovation TV shows. I love those kind of things. I love looking at people, how they've transformed over the years. Um, I, I, there's all kinds of those pictures that I love looking at. And uh, in fact, I did a little research this week um, and I kind of went down one of those rabbit holes and I found some before and after pictures that I'd like to share with you. Uh, the first one is of Grand Central Station and this is before coronavirus. Uh, you can see the top picture, people on top of everybody and then the after picture, not so many people distancing and wearing masks. And it's really a great picture to show just how our society has kind of changed over over time. Uh, the next picture is of our South venue and a before and after picture of that. If you're new to Awaken, um, we have always had two venues for the last eight years of the church's life. We had two venues, a North venue and a South venue. We are in the South venue. And uh, I'm just going to brag on myself for just a minute. I don't think I flubbed and have said the North venue or South venue yet. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, <laughs> because after eight years of saying it, I'm surprised I haven't said it once. So, but the year's not out. Hold me accountable. Give me a hard time if I ever say it. So, um, but we have a before and after picture of that. A venue that only sat maybe 50 people to 80 people to now one that can seat 250 people. And so we're really excited about that. And it's a before and after picture. Uh, of course, with snowpocalypse that has happened and 71% of the country is covered in snow, uh, I brought a before and after picture of what downtown Clarksville looked like. Do you remember those days when it was nice and sunny and you didn't have to slip slide everywhere? And now here we go. We've got snow everywhere. So one day, in Jesus' name, we will go back to nice warm weather. And we all said, amen. So... That's that. But not only do I like looking at places and buildings, but there's also um, people that I love looking at before and after pictures. In fact, I found uh, some here of President George W. Bush and President Barack Obama. Like you can see what eight years in office does to you, right? <laughs> like they, they went in young, youthful, full of um, passion and desire of change. And then they came out looking old and rough and beat up. So uh, it's very interesting to me to see the evolution of that. But then also celebrities have the same thing. Uh, I brought one of The Rock. Uh, there he is. He's got, uh, <laughs> he's got a style going on. Now, what you don't see in the before is the fanny pack that he's wearing, but we all know he's got one. So he lost the fanny pack, lost the hair, lost the turtleneck, and that's what we have. So I don't know which rock you like better. That's for you to decide. But we all have a before and after picture of ourselves uh, in our lives. If you're a Christian here today, you have a before Christ and an after Christ. You could probably close your eyes and you can, in your mind's eye, get a picture of what your life looked like and what you looked like before Jesus. Because there was a time in all of our lives when we didn't know Jesus. We might have known about Jesus, but we didn't know Jesus. We didn't believe in him. We didn't trust him. You could probably close your eyes and get a picture of who you were, that you were addicted to something that you were uh, angry all the time, that you did certain things, that you were lost, that you were spiritually dead. You could look at your life before Christ and say, I was blank. And we were all as sinners. But now you can look at the picture of your life and see who you are because of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And that's really the point of the passage that we're looking at today. 
that we're all talking about our before and after pictures of our lives, remembering who we were and because of Jesus, who we are right now. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have a testimony or a story of how Jesus has transformed, how he has changed your life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. I've had many people who say, well, how do I share the good news of Jesus to other people? What do I say to them? What do I do? I don't even know where to start. Well, I would like to maybe submit to you today. That's what Paul's kind of showing us, a way of showing our testimony, sharing our testimony, and being able to see a before and after picture of ourselves before Christ to help a world to amplify Jesus to our world. And see, your story might be a very dramatic story. You might be here today and you might be like, man, mine's filled with drama. I was headed for a certain direction, but then God came in and changed everything. Or maybe for you, you look at your story and you go, well, it's not really that dramatic or maybe even a good story to share because the closest thing I had to an addiction was this one time with Pop-Tarts and it really only lasted for about a month, but there wasn't really much else besides that. But no matter how you view your story, you have a story on how your life was headed one direction. You were headed for hell with no hope, no savior, but God came in and changed your life and gave you purpose and direction and you now have a hope. See, your story, your testimony to the world will come out of your weakness and not your strengths. See, I think a lot of people have it backwards. They think the world is impressed by a Christian's prosperity. And I don't think that's true at all, because what impresses non-believers is not how we handle adversity, but how we we handle adversity, not how we handle prosperity. The world and non-believers see prosperity all the time. That's not what impresses them. It's how we handle adversity. Your suffering, not your success, gives you credibility. Your faithfulness, not your fame, earns respect. And what Paul is doing here, and we've talked about this, is Paul is kind of like a pro at helping us see that he uses his pain as a platform to amplify the good news of Jesus. We've talked about this, that Paul's not writing this letter in his big comfy office in a leather chair with a big desk and a pen with a feather on it. He's writing this chained to a Roman guard in a Roman prison cell waiting for death. But Paul always used his pain. He always used whatever he was going through to amplify Jesus more. And the same is true for you today. How you handle your pain, failure, defeat, your problems, your mistakes, your sin, all the bad things in your life, how you handle that can amplify Jesus to a lost and hurting world. And that's what Paul is reminding the Ephesians and what he's reminding us today, that we all have a story. We all have a testimony to share with people. We all have a before and after picture of what our lives look like before Jesus came into them, came into our lives. And really, when it comes to sharing our story, when it comes to sharing our before and after, Paul gives us three ways that we can do that. And the first one is, without Christ, you're an outcast. Let's look at verse 11 here. It says, therefore, remember, this is going to be important because he says remember a couple times here. Therefore, remember that you at one time were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which was made in the flesh by the hands. Now, let's just pause right there for just a minute because 
You know, this kind of seems like Paul was just throwing some words and hoping he could find a sentence along the way. Like, we could easily just kind of like blow past this verse. You probably read it before and might just keep on going, not pay much attention to it and go, we don't use words like this. This is a little unclear. I don't get what he's saying. But let's unpack it a little bit here because what Paul is saying to these Ephesians who this letter was originally written to, he's saying, hey, guess what? You are Gentiles. Back in this time, there was a strong division between Jews and Gentiles. And a Gentile was anyone who was non-Jewish, and they were called the uncircumcised. In fact, when I was reading this uh, verse this last week, I was reminded of a kid's book called The Sneetches. Do you guys know who The Sneetches are? Raise your hands if you remember The Sneetches. Not a lot of you, a few of you. Well, it's a story my parents used to read to me. Uh, I read it to my kids. It's one of our favorite ones. And that yellow thing, it's a sneech. That's a sneech. And some of them have stars on their bellies. And the story tells us that others have none upon thars. And so uh, it's by Dr. Seuss. And it's one of my favorite ones. But what the star belly sneeches was, they thought they were the best sneeches on the beaches. And when anytime they saw a, a sneech without a star on his belly, they just turned their snoots in the air and ignored them because they weren't better than the ones that had stars on their bellies. And I read this verse and it reminded me of that. That Paul is basically like, hey, guess what? You aren't the sneeches with stars on your bellies. You're not the chosen ones. You haven't had promises to you. You aren't God's chosen people. You are the ones who have none upon thars. And what Paul is saying is that you Ephesians who are coming from a Gentile background are without God. He's reminding them that they were godless. Because, and this would have shocked the people living at this time, because Ephesus was known for its cultural learning. It was known for its incredible structures, and it was known for its spirituality. Many people in Ephesus were religious people, and they had many gods that they worshipped. In fact, it was said that it was easier to find a god in Ephesus than a man in Ephesus. And that should just tell you how many idols that they had. They built an idol, a god, to anything that they could imagine. These were religious people, they were pagan people, and they didn't know God. Their religion was their vain attempt to get to God by their own human efforts. They were outcasts to the riches of the chosen people, the Jews. And in a broader sense, this is what Paul is trying to remind all of us here today. He's like, hey guys, guess what? Remember who you were. You were second class, uncleaned, separated, rejects, outcasts. And Paul is saying to us, these are the facts. You were without God and you were separated from God. He's saying, don't dismiss your past. Don't just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist and that you are someone else. He's like, own your past. Now, don't celebrate it. Don't make the biggest deal of your past, but own your past, and, but know that, that, you, that who you were before Christ. See, I don't know if you've ever felt like you don't belong. Maybe that's a true word for your life, an outcast. Really, that's a true word for all of our lives. We were all outcasts. We were all Gentiles in the flesh. And maybe you feel like an outcast here today because you look at your past mistakes and it's so embarrassing. You might look at all, you might feel like an outcast because of all the choices that you've made and all the stuff that you've done. And when you look at your life, you see all the decisions, everything that you've done, and you see how it's stacked up against you. In moments like that, you should go, man, I've never been good enough. I've never been rich enough. I've never been cool enough to be accepted by God. 
You are an outcast. But the good news is that Jesus has come for the outcasts. He's come for the losers. He's come for the people on the margins who've made a mess out of their lives. People who feel like they are ordinary people. He has come for people like you and like me. See, the only people who are left out of that are those who think they don't need God. And those are the self-righteous and the self-important. And so what Paul is doing here in verse 11 is he's just really reminding us of our history and who we are. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, he says, remember, that's the second time he says it, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And basically what he's saying is that Jews were not just in Israel, but they were spread out all over the place. And so it's the collective group of Jewish people, the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. When it comes to your before and after, you have to remember this, and this is the second thing, without Christ, we are far from him. See, the first point had to deal with who you are. The second one has to deal with where you stand because of who you are. And again, Paul is making this point because we were outsiders. We were not the Jewish people. We were separated from him. The thing to notice in verse 12 is to be separated from Israel is to be separated from God. I don't know if you caught it or not, but look at it again. It says, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Again, God revealed himself first through the nation of Israel. The other nations didn't know about God. And if they wanted to know about God, they had to become Jewish people. And so what Paul is saying is like, listen, you Ephesians, you Americans, you Nate, you fill in your name right here. You need to understand this. You were part of the separated alien nations. You were far from God having no hope. See, here's the broader principle and the thing for us to understand. Our sin makes us far from God. It separates us from community with him. It creates this barrier, this wall between us and God. Now, before Jesus, you'd put your hope in anything and everything you could get your hands on, right? Maybe for you, you were desperately grabbing at anything life had to give you, anything that life had to offer you. And so you'd be over here and you'd be doing this thing for a little while and you'd be trying it out and you're like, okay, this is good. But eventually it would wear off and get dull. And so you'd come over here and you're like, okay, I got to try this for a little while. And so you're messing with this and you're playing with that and you're trying to find meaning and purpose in this. You would try anything and everything you could that was new to try to fill a void that was inside of you. But every time you tried something new, you felt empty inside. Our world is full of ways for us to try and tell us that we can find hope, inclusion, acceptance, ways for us to get community, friendship, and purpose. But our world will tell us you can get all of that at a price. Think about it. You can turn on the TV and you can see a commercial, buy this car, and you'll finally be part of the in crowd, right? Start to follow this person on Instagram and you'll find value, motivation, and purpose. Start this business, open this website, start this blog, whatever it is. And so you've done all of those things and you've tried to fill that void in your life. Everything that life, that the world tells us that you can find hope in, you've tried to fill your life with that and you did those things and you found that it was empty and meaningless and you didn't find fulfillment in any of it. And so it was kind of like a firework on the 4th of July. For a moment, it was so amazing and cool. 
and then it was just gone. See, that's a life without Jesus. And I know that there are today people watching online or in our masked-only venue. There are people in this room here today who are trying to find something outside of Jesus, who are living a life far from Christ. You're trying to fill this void in your life with whatever you can to find meaning and purpose and value, whether it's a relationship, a job, money, status, work, whatever it is. And there are people looking to fill the void that only Jesus can fill. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible tells us that God has put eternity into our hearts. Meaning that there, we know that there has to be more to this life than what we're currently doing. We were created in the image of God. And because of that, we'll never be fully satisfied in this life. See, no matter what you achieve, no matter how many goals you reach in your life, there will always be something missing. But when you put your faith in Jesus, not only will you have a life worth living, not only will you find meaning in your life, but you'll also find hope of life beyond the grave. And that's life during life, and that's life after death. And so you might be sitting here today, and you might be going, man, you know, Paul, Paul's a real downer right now. Like, I kind of miss Paul of chapter one, praising Paul, prayer Paul. Like, that's the Paul I like. But like we talked about last week, anytime we see a setup of all these things that are wrong with us or anything that's bad, and we see the conjunction, but God, or like in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, that should give us some hope. Now, I was very bad at English. I'm still bad at English. You'll hear me say things and you're like, is that really a sentence? Like, I don't even know if he's even talking English. Like, I'm, I struggle with the English language. And so I always had to stay after school to learn a little bit more about English. And one thing that I learned is that the conjunction but is very important because it adds emphasis to the second half of the sentence. And that's what Paul is doing. He's building this case that without Christ, we're outcasts. Without Christ, we're far from him. Without Christ, we have no hope. But now in Christ Jesus, that gives us the hope. You know, like if I came home and I kissed my wife, Jen, right on the lips and I said, good to see you. And she's like, hey, good to see you too, but your breath stinks. I'm paying more attention to the fact that my breath stinks than anything else. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, you were all of those things. All of those things are the facts. All of those things are true. But he says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we desire? To be known and to be close with someone. We can all have this closeness with God because of Jesus. And so when it comes to the before and after picture of your life, here's the third thing you need to remember, that with Christ, you have hope. It's a promise here in Ephesians, and really it's a promise all throughout the Bible, that we have hope. God often has an invitation for us to come to him. Jesus even said it, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Come to me, come to him, is an invitation of the Bible. And we can have this closeness with God, that intimacy with God that every single person is looking for. We can have that because God has forgiven us through Jesus. Before Christ, we were hopeless. We had no solutions. We were uh, separated from him. But now in Christ, we can have hope and a real hope. 
It's a hope that's never stopping, a complete hope, a secure hope, and it's a hope that you can build your life on. If you've given your life to Jesus, you can be near to God, and that is a hope that lasts forever. And you can build on that hope because it's found in the faithfulness of God, and it's found in God's character, and it's found in the work of Jesus. And you might be like, well, how do I know that? How do we know that? We know that because God was faithful to us yesterday. He sustained us all the way up until this point. In the last 24 hours, God has sustained you all the way to this point. I don't know what your last 24 hours have looked like. Mine have been kind of rough from time to time, but I know God has sustained me. He was faithful to me then. But not only was God faithful to me then, he's faithful to me right now. He's faithful to us today. He promises new mercies every day. And he gives you enough for whatever you are facing. Not only does God promise us faithfulness in the past and right now, but also in our tomorrows. When you wake up in the morning, God will be faithful to you then. As faithful as he's to you today, and he was yesterday, he'll be faithful to you the day after that, the day after that, and the day after that. All the way into eternity. And as Christians, we have a hope for eternity. Because one day we're going to see God face to face. And we're going to worship him. And he's going to love us. And we're going to love him. And it's going to be amazing. We have that kind of hope. And we worship with that kind of hope. Because we know that God is faithful. He keeps his word. Without Christ, we were lost to far away. But with Christ, we are found and brought near and have hope. And if you can understand that, what a life you can live. Because you can live a life of thankfulness and worship. When you come to church, it's not going to be something that you have to do or something that you're dreading to do, but just something that you can't wait to do. Something that you can't wait to get your, into your awakened group because you can't wait to get with God's people to stir up one another. You can't wait to start your week off with God. And you're going to come here and you're going to sing as loud as you can. And you don't even care if it's on key or not. You might not even be singing the right words. But you're not going to care. You're going to shout. You're going to sing. You're going to praise because of what God has done for you. He's been faithful to you. Your prayer life is going to be amazing. Because it won't matter the things that you're going through. The things you're going through are a big deal. They are huge. But you're going to say, you know what? I don't understand this situation. But I can have hope. In the midst of this health crisis, in this relationship struggle, in the midst of whatever I'm going through, I can say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on right now, but I trust you. I believe in you. Before Christ, you were far off from God. But now in Christ, you're brought near and you can have a hope in him. Maybe you needed to be reminded of that truth today. God's saying, look, I've brought you near to me. I've done it all so that we could be close. I've paid for it all so we could have a relationship. See, really the call to these three simple verses is to remember. I read something this week that said, this is really the first command Paul gives the Ephesians church. You know, we we started this series off and we've talked a little bit about it, that Paul doesn't give us 10 easy lessons to live out our Christian life. He doesn't really start off with sympathy in this letter. He doesn't really like give us some rules and do this and do that. Really, he starts off praising and he starts praying. But it takes him halfway through chapter two to actually give us a command. And the command for us is to remember. Remember who we were and where we stood because of who we were and to remember what God has done for us through Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can have a closeness with God because of the blood of Jesus. And we can be forgiven 
because of the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're a believer here today and you just needed to be reminded of that truth. Because the, the way that I look at church, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, the way that I look at church is this is a giant pep rally for us. This isn't the end of the week. This is the beginning of the week. That's how I view today. And the way we start off our week, we started off by getting inspired, by getting filled up by God so that we can be sent off to go do battle in this world. And so we need to come together. We need to be with one another. We need to be rallied up with one another. And so we're going to do that. We're going to rally. We're going to be excited because, listen, when we go out there, the world's going to tell you, you're not this and you're not that. The enemy's going to come into your life this week and he's going to say, do you know what you just looked at? Did you know what you just said? Do you know who you are? Why would you call yourself a Christian? You know you're not this. You know you're that. And the call in these verses is to remember. Remember who we are. Today, I don't think it's by any mistake that we would be in this passage and we would be taking communion today. Because communion is a call for us to remember. Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. And I think he said that because he knew that we were forgetful people. <laughs> that we would forget the cost that our sins uh, had to be paid. We would forget how expensive it is. And that we would forget who our identity is in Jesus. And so maybe today you just need to remember who you are in Christ Jesus. You are his child. You've been adopted into his family. You are covered with his blood and made white as snow. It doesn't matter what the world or the enemy tells you. What does Jesus say? In him, you have many riches. In him, you are his child and he's brought you into his family. But there might, you might be here today and you might be without Christ. And let me say, those are two very hard words to hear. Without Christ. Because what that means is that you are without spiritual blessing, you're without peace, you're without rest, you're without safety, you're without hope, and you are without Jesus. God hates your sin, and he punished his son Jesus for your sin and for my sin. And if you're here today and you are without Christ, repent from that sin, turn from that sin, and draw near to Jesus. He wants to draw near to you. Stop holding on to all the things that you think that you need to hold on to, everything that you think you are and who you are and your identity and all of that. Let go of all that stuff and surrender and let Jesus fill the void in your life that only he can fill. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.